Why did the tenants act this way? Why did they kill the landowner's messengers and his son? Didn't they know that this would end badly? They forgot they were tenants. They came to think that they were the owners. They no longer thought about the person who built the place. The landowner had planted the crops. He dug the wine press. He built the wall and the tower, and he let them live there. But now the owner wants crops, and the tenants no longer think he has any right to them. They forgot they were tenants, and we do too. We forget that we are God's tenants, and this forgetting has three elements. They got used to their independence, their apparent independence. They came to view their benefactor, the landlord, as a kind of extortioner, and their minds and hearts were darkened until God intervenes. First, the tenants got used to their apparent independence. The landlord was not a micromanager. The tenants knew they had to grow crops for him, but he didn't stand over top of them. He respected their freedom, dignity, and responsibility. He'd given them a great arrangement. He'd established everything before they got there. Fields, tower, wine press, wall, etc. And he let them work with a certain amount of liberty. But they got too used to this liberty. They abused their freedom. And they forgot their relationship with the landowner. Their benefactor, who had set them up so well. They began to say, this is ours. And we don't owe anything to anyone. And they set themselves up for a kind of conflict with the landowner. And no one would side with them, considering how reasonable the landowner had been and how awful the tenants have been. We do the same thing. We forget that we're tenants. We forget that God is actively keeping us in existence and that all of those gifts and talents we're so proud of come from him ultimately. Second, we come progressively to view God as a kind of extortioner. We're used to our independence, and we don't want anything asked of us. And when God does ask us for something, we don't consider that it's owed to him. We don't think we owe him anything. We are the owners of our time, of our abilities, of our lives. And not one of those things is true. God is the owner of our time of our abilities, and of our lives. He wants what is best for us, true, but he also wants us to follow him, to be like him. He desires that we bear spiritual fruit in love of himself and of our neighbor. In short, to live his son's life. And we resent this as a kind of imposition, an unwanted intrusion into our lives. The tenants killed the landowner's messengers, and they killed his son. We don't quite do that. We lack the forthrightness to commit murder, usually. We prefer to ignore his messengers rather than to kill them. Lastly, and tragically, all of this darkens our minds and our hearts. We become a little bit like the alcoholic, where the worse he gets, the less clearly he thinks and the more dearly he clings to booze, the more we set God aside, the more we resist him, the less audible his voice becomes. Then God sometimes takes drastic measures. 
He calls and he shouts and he breaks through our deafness, as Augustine put it. But it will be a little more painful than if we had just listened all along. The Lord God is ultimately kind and merciful, and any unpleasantness he permits in this life is only a function of his mercy. His plan is to draw us back to himself. He is not simply landowner, lord, and authority figure. He is father, a loving father, one who desires that all of his children remember him and welcome him when he comes.